planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. So much for uh, joining us on the show. How's things going tonight or today over there? Today, this morning. Well, uh, I would guess you would call it uh, early day, but the uh, sun hasn't risen properly yet, and it's 9.40. So, yay, Scandinavian winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess you're going to be looking forward to uh, things being a little warmer down here when you uh, come down to Australia in March. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Man, it's been five years by then. Yeah, 2013 with with Nightwish was the first time. So 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah, five years by the time. Man. Oh, man. That's, I mean, that's blowing my mind. I was trying to remember when it was and that long ago. I mean, it's gone so quick. But, uh, man, hey, it's going to be awesome to have you guys back down here, especially uh, for our first download festival. You, you guys have done download before, but overseas. I mean, what, what's, what is it about that festival that's so great for uh, you guys? It's well organized. It's been done before. And I mean, the, it's a good crowd. That's usually what a festival needs. Everything else around it, I'm not really that interested in. I mean, obviously, if it's, uh, if it's well organized, people, both artists and the audience, have good access to good toilets and uh, not too long lines in the bars. I mean, it's, it does sound boring, but a well organized festival is, uh, can make, it, make the difference between a good day or a fantastic thing. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, you're going to be doing some sideshows with them on a mark, which for us down here is like a dream gig. I mean, have you talked much with those dudes in the past? Yeah, I think we did, uh, was it 15 or 14 in autumn? We did uh, the United States together with them. And uh, well, it was a great run. So we thought, hell, if we're going down to download both of us, let's add some extra shows. So we're doing Sydney and Brisbane, I think. Bringing the full sets for uh, uh, those sideshows? Uh, for the sideshows, I believe not. Uh, it's about uh, how much we can fit on the stage. We will bring as much as we can, always. In this case, we already made the decision that uh, when it comes to download, no matter if we're, well, losing money on it, we will bring as much as we can. There is pyros, of course, video wall, and we have tanks and uh, all of the stage sets. And uh, we already decided that well, whatever we are allowed to bring, we will. However, uh, it depends on everything from how much changeover we have on download and uh, what the headliners of that day or the others of the band say, because sometimes it's in the contract that no other bands are allowed to use production, for example. So I honest, honestly don't know yet how much we can bring, but I promise we will bring everything we are allowed. So if we don't have that much with us, it's not because we didn't want to or that we didn't that we weren't capable of. It's because we weren't allowed. <laughs> See, that, that, that blows my mind that, that you, know, uh, you know, other bands that, that, you know, say, oh, that band can't bring their tank. That band can't bring no, their... No, it's, it's usually not uh, in the case where they specify that this band can't. It's just in, in general, well, sometimes 
uh, it's just in the general contract that, okay, if we're playing this festival, we need this area. And just to be sure, they make sure it's in the contract that no other bands have, uh, have production. And if that happens, uh, we've had situations before where we actually knew the band or had been in contact with the band who had that in the contract. Uh, and then we, when we talked to them, well, let's say Maiden, for example, we supported them a couple of times on their own tours, and uh, we've been with them on festivals. Um, they normally, as many bands do, they just put, well, not maybe that in the contract, but it's uh, sometimes even the promoter won't allow, mm. allow it because, because Iron Maiden is bringing production. So even then, uh, well, them being great guys, and uh, saying, yeah, sure, as long as you can promise us this and this and this. Yeah, sure. And then we were allowed to bring the tanks and the pyros <coughs> to a festival in Germany. So uh, it's very individual. And uh, some other bands, please don't ask me to name them. No. I can bring a backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what the great thing about Sabaton is? That even without the tanks and without all the pyro, you're still uh, a great live band, and you still know how to uh, put on an excellent show and get the crowd into it. I mean, you probably found yourself in that situation from time to time, but uh, do you find that, you know, sometimes stripping it back a little bit, you know, you get that, that it's more intimate with the crowd? Uh, actually, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it goes both ways. Well, we're lucky in a sense that we're very career-wise, we're mm. in very different places, very uneven, if you will. Uh, if we do a good headline show in Europe, we're looking at 12,000 people. Obviously, there's video walls, there's pyros, there's tanks, and fire, and <laughs> everything. <laughs> uh, and follow spots and all, uh, everything that comes with it. And it's a great feeling uh, in one way, but on the other hand, you really lose the, what do you call it, intimacy, the connection with the crowd. If the crowd starts chanting in one end of the hall, uh, the other end of the hall is going to sing something else. Uh, so it's a bit harder to get into direct crowd interaction. While on the other hand, I, I really love, you know, smaller clubs or medium-sized venues where you look at 1,500 to 2,500 people. Because usually then the stage is big enough that you can actually move around fully. Okay, maybe you won't be able to bring the full production, but at least you have enough to run and jump and move around. And the crowd is still close enough that if you lean out over the monitors, you can, you know, shake some hands with the crowd. And uh, that's a great feeling, actually. It must also be a great feeling to have, uh, you know, that many people singing your lyrics back at you. I mean, do you remember the first time that really had an impact on you, or you first really experienced that? Yeah, but it was kind of uh, unexpected. Uh, it's not what most people think that, you know, we're in, in, in front of thousands and thousands of people and then, oh, wow, maybe we made it. Never. I'm still waiting for that moment, by the way. <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, it was actually, I think it was 2008 or 2009, we were playing in, uh, in Greece and I believe it was Athens, January, February, something like that. And in a small club, in the, in the basement, uh, maybe the capacity of the hall was 300, 280 or something were there, so a good night. But uh, not huge by any means. But in the middle of the set there, you know, everything just went, the world froze or went into, you know, slow motion almost. 
And it hit me that, wow, oh, wait, I haven't had another job than being a musician now for two years. Uh, does that make me a professional musician? And this is in the middle of a song when I'm supposed to sing. So I stopped singing for three seconds or so, you know, and, and that spanned through my head. And that's the only moment I remember uh, like that. And uh, it was kind of, you know, moment that everything slowed down. I had that thought and, well, maybe I am. Well, could have been worse. And that's all with it. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing before, uh, before your full-time uh, music? Actually, I was, well, unlucky and lucky at the same time. I, I educated myself to, uh, well, I guess, electrics, electronics, and networks. So everything from fiber optics to, uh, well, phone networks. And uh, after that, uh, university, which I quit, which was radio production and music production, because I realized that there are more people, uh, be, uh, well, graduating from one of those programs every year than there are mm. jobs in Sweden. So, yeah, not not really worth my while. So uh, I've been doing a little bit of everything. I worked for, well, the old state-run, well, now private, though, uh, phone company, uh, talking to technicians where they patch in the phone cable and such things, and a little bit of everything, actually. So I never had a job, well, that I really loved that was so well paid that it was I was forced with a difficult decision. I remember one job I had, which was actually working for that uh, phone company, and uh, I asked for time off to go on tour in 2006. Uh, this was late 2005. And I asked, um, in January, we've got to record an album first, which was for Theater Roman Office, and then we were going to go on tour uh, with Edguy and Dragonforce all over Europe. Mm. So I wanted to take some time off. And uh, since it was one of those lovely modern places, where you're not hired by the actual company, but rather, uh, yeah, manpower company or something like that. I only had contracts for three months, three months, three months. So by the time I said, I want to take some time off. And then they said, no, you can't. Well, my contract expires on the 27th of December. So fuck you then. <laughs> uh, then I just walked away. And uh, I never looked back, actually. I've been, did some school courses later, uh, just for the hell of it, while downtime in between uh, but I never had a job since summer of, yeah, I had some <laughs> extra jobs in the summer of 2006. But that's the last time I had what you would call a, well, almost normal job. Uh, that being said, I work probably three times as much now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that, but hey, man, it's, it, you live in the dream. It's a, it's a good job to have. And it must be more satisfying that, you know, you, you've been there, you've slogged it out, and uh, now you tour in the world and... Uh, kicking some ass and uh, bringing tanks on stage. I mean, what, what better way to do it, you know? And, uh, of course, man, one thing I was going to say was uh, the uh, latest Sabaton album, which was uh, The Last Stand, came out last year. And, you know, I'm sure fans have gotten to know the words by now. Which song of it has been getting the best response? I would say from The Last Stand, uh, that usually takes some time to crystallize. So we, I think we're starting to see it now. It might be a little bit too early yet. But uh, usually when you're, you know, you start with uh, the touring cycle, the album has just quite recently been released. There are, there are some songs that are clear that they're going to be in the set list for at least that tour for a long time. There are other ones that weren't so popular on, well, if you look at anything from online forums to Facebook, 
some people are commenting that, oh, that one's not so good. But then it's their favorite song, you know, a year down the line. But um, so far, I would say probably the title track, The Last Stand, has proved very, very popular. But especially uh, Shiriyama, I would say, turned into a really live favorite. It's, by the end of the tour, we had it in the encore, which is, I guess, highly unusual for a band who's released eight albums or so uh, mm. to have a track from the new album in the encore. That is, that's awesome. And uh, are you guys playing uh, Sparta? Sparta was played, uh, oh, I think usually we had it as a second song for the main headline tour. Uh, but yes, that one is usually in the set list for sure. Very much one of those songs that when, when it was made, it was the first one uh, that, at least for me, that I loved, especially when writing it and recording it. Wow. But even before the album was released, I was tired of it. <laughs> and then... And then we started touring for real after, well, halfway through the tour. It, it got good again. So uh, you never know about these things. Uh, some songs are amazing when you feel, feel amazing about them when they, you write them. But by the time they're produced, maybe there's something in the production. That, uh, and you will, never, you will never listen to that song again. Uh, while other songs, when you wrote them, you, you did the best. I mean, we would always do that, never just throw a song in there. Uh, I mean, intellectually, uh, well, emotionally, I want every song that Sabaton do to be the best Sabaton song ever. Intellectually, I know that's not possible uh, because it's a highly subjective thing. <laughs> and uh, but the, the, the battle is still always there, and uh, it's always really saddens me a lot when one of those songs didn't work out the way I wanted them to, or it didn't turn out as good as I hoped. Or well, on the other hand, there are songs that. I tried and tried and tried and didn't think much of it. And by the, when the album is done, it's like, hey, this isn't bad at all. Has there been one song that maybe you've got sick of over the years and you've sort of stopped playing and uh, fallen back in love with again? Oh, uh, well, yes, there are songs that, you know, some songs just become more than a song. Uh, for us, uh, one of the those would be Timo Victoria, for example. One of our, I guess, trademark songs, I guess, always been played, always a good party. And I'm never tired of that song, not even when we're rehearsing it. It just brings back all those memories. All I need to do is close my eyes, and I can think of thousands of shows. Well, not thousands. We've done over a thousand, but not 2,000 yet. But I can think of so many shows uh, and so many good memories of people jumping, singing along. That I, I don't think I could ever get tired of that song. Well, on the other hand, uh, well, actually, yeah, uh, one of my favorites, actually, Cliso Gallipoli, which is about Australian history. When was one of my favorites when we released it, and it was for I don't know until 2012 probably. But by then we played it so much that I, you know, I didn't dislike it, but you didn't enjoy playing it. Uh, it just became neutral, you know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we didn't play it for I don't know a year or two or something like that. So when we started bringing it up into the set list again, it was really nice to get that. Oh yeah, this is great. You know, get that feeling. Fall in love with it all over again. It's not about the song. It's rather that you played it so much that it's, you know, it becomes, well, neutral to you emotionally. So it's interesting to hear that, you know, bands, they play their most popular songs and they, they get over it. But, you know, I guess there's a one fan somewhere that hasn't seen it live. But, you know, there's got to be that, uh, that even ground somewhere. Are you guys planning in the early stages of the next album? Yes, uh, actually just started uh, the songwriting. I mean, it's going to be a while 
for sure until we start recording. It's going to be late last no late late last year. Yeah, wish wishful thinking. Uh, no, late late next year is when we're going to hit the studio. So we're going to be done early next uh, the year after that, early nineteen. So unless something goes terribly wrong, there will be a new Sabaton album in 2019. Awesome, man. Awesome. That's excellent news. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, taking the time to uh, hang out with us on the show, man. Uh, we'll see you, of course, at Download Festival in uh, Melbourne on Saturday the 24th of March. Uh, you're also doing sideshows with Amon and Mark on the 25th of March at the Roundhouse in Sydney and up our way at the 27th of March at the Tivoli in Brisbane. Dude, uh, until then, enjoy Christmas and New Year's, and uh, we'll see you soon, brother. All right. Take care, man. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. 